Thank you, Silas. Um, good morning, Bethany Northeast. My name is John, Children, Youth, and Family Pastor here. Um, you're probably well aware of that by this point. Um, man, I am um, just grateful that we can have moments that we pause and um, look around at the world around us. We pray into things. We take moments to just um, pray for others, pray in moments and things that may not directly affect our everyday life, but some do. Um, and uh, I just want to express that I'm proud of that for Bethany and Bethany Northeast. And so um, it's an honor to be able to gather even online um, around with each other and just seek God as a community. And so um, this morning, uh, super excited to share with you what's, uh, what God has put on my heart um, as we kind of come, come around, kind of come home and um, I'm trying to use a baseball analogy. We round third coming home. I don't play baseball though. Um, and we uh, end and kind of wrap up our summer series. And I want to share a text uh, with you. It's in Matthew. It's chapter four, verses one through 11. So I'll read it for you. And then you'll also see it um, on the screen. It says this. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus then answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him and is also written, do not put the Lord your God to test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended to him. It's Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11. This morning, as I said uh, a few moments ago, we're just wrapping up our summer series on the fruits of the spirit. Uh, I hope that you've enjoyed the journey. If, you're, if you've been popping in every so often, I hope that you've enjoyed what you've been able to uh, learn as we've learned together. And we've just been digging into what it looks like to cultivate fruits of the spirit in our own lives and in the world uh, around us. Um, I've mentioned it before, but my personal approach to the fruit of the spirit, to fruits of the spirits, um, fruit of the spirit actually begins with personally acknowledging that um, I come lacking. I'm not perfect. I don't think we're perfect at cultivating the fruits of the spirit that God has for us and he wants to see in our lives. Uh, I also acknowledge and understand that these aren't just nice features or things that round out um, a good looking Christian, right? Like these aren't just things that you put on your tool belt and say, I'm loving, I'm gentle, I'm kind. That's right. That, that would feel good, but it's more than that. I think it's bigger than that. I think rather than that, these are characteristics of a follower of Jesus. And it also shows what's produced in us due to proximity to the Holy Spirit. So I'll say that again, these are not just characteristics of a follower of Jesus, but it's also evidence of what is produced in us due to our proximity to the Holy Spirit. It's hard to really cultivate and have fruits of the Spirit that are genuine 
without being close to his spirit, right? Those are important things to know. That's super essential. You begin to then work on life and, and work on life on your own strength and they become deeds, they become acts of kindness, they become acts and actions and actions that are meant well, like you mean well, but you actually aren't doing it um, in the way that the father would intend, which is in his spirit. So that's why it's important that we cultivate this with the Holy Spirit and through his spirit. So this morning in particular, we're going to dive into self-control. That's the last fruit of the spirit we're going to hear about um, this summer. And if you were to look up a general definition of what self-control is, I'll read it to you. It says this, the ability to control oneself in particular, one's emotions and desires or the expression of them and one's behavior, especially, this is the great, the great part, especially in difficult situations. I'd say it's the great part because it's super easy for me to have amazing control of self when, when I can control the world around me, when I can control the atmosphere, when I control the temperature, when I can control, you may have been around, you might be this person or you might've been brought up by a person like this, or you might know someone like this. So you don't have to call them out in your mind. I don't want you to focus on that, but it's really easy to have self-control when situations aren't really pressing you, when it's not difficult. But when things do become difficult and we're pressed, that's when our self-control and this definition, that's when it becomes challenging. So I'm going to show you something through. I think we learn best through the lens of children. So I want to show you a quick video um, of what it looks like for self-control to be kind of pressed or tried and, and tested. So take a look at this. The famous Stanford marshmallow experiment tests children's self-control. You have a choice. You can eat it now. Totally cool. Or if you can wait till I get back, I'll give you a second marshmallow. I can, I can do it. You can wait 10 minutes? Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, by the way, if you want, you can use that cup to cover it up so you don't have to look at it. Good luck. Okay. Researchers showed that by putting a marshmallow in front of a kid and daring him not to eat it, you could tell if one day they'd be the next Steve Jobs or the next Steve Gutenberg. Now, in the original experiment, they just waited to see what happened, but I don't have the patience for that. disappeared the marshmallow all right 
I think we can all see ourselves in, 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 in that situation as a kid in some moments, different things of life. They're conducting a completely different experiment for other purposes. But in our context, I think sometimes self-control looks like restraint. That's one way to look at it, right? When I give the definition and then we look at it through the lens of the Bible, right? For example, in Proverbs 25 says this, a man without self-control uh, and left without walls, right? So it's saying in some ways, self-control actually protects you, right? Protects your heart, your mind, and other ways in Galatians, Paul writes this, but I say, walk by the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So there's in that context as well, right? So restrain yourself and that sort of way, use your self-control wisely in that context. And then in Titus, Paul writes this, he says, likewise, exhort the younger men to be sober-minded and all things show yourself an example of good works. So in that context, you're putting yourself um, on display or you're, you're an example of who Jesus is. So you want to use self-control so that People understand when they look at you, they see Jesus. They see Jesus inside of you. There's different ways that we can view self-control as mentioned in scripture. Allow me just to embarrass myself one last time here. And then I want to challenge us to look at this through the spirit in different contexts. Just a few uh, weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, Sigrid and I, we drove uh, into central Washington. We were going to go check out Leavenworth and Chelan um, on our five-year anniversary. And as we were driving there, um, one thing about me is I do not enjoy um, driving behind slow cars. It's very painful. Um, I have uh, I have some <laughs> some patience issues with it because I like to get where I'm going, and and just get there. Driving back, a whole different issue, whole different story. As we're driving, we're we're behind this car. I think for about a couple miles. For some of you, that's a very long time, just a few seconds. That's long. And as I'm driving, I'm like, you know what? I just need to get. I I need to move. I need to get away from this car. Too slow. I got somewhere to go. We're trying to vacation, trying to enjoy ourselves. We've got a babysitter. We've, everything is set. We need every single moment of time. I don't want to waste a minute. And as I signal, in real time, I signal, and I'm about to just get over quickly and get in front. There was a car on the left that, was, that had a, uh, a trailer that it was pulling. And as soon as I signal and I just inched to get over, the, the tire blew on the trailer, started to kind of do this action, kind of swift back and forth traffic slows and then we're at a halt for a moment and i thought that is definitely not an example of self-restraint because that was god's grace um slowing me down in some ways the car was fine everyone was okay there was no accident but i failed to actually put into practice self-control and i didn't restrain myself from wanting to do that like i just i had to get over and thank god i didn't right that could have been a, a, a terrible accident that is that is an example of needing restraint and needing self-control. So here's the question that I have for you. As, we, as I challenge you to look at this through a, another perspective and lens, if we understand self-control as defined, right? If we can see how scripture speaks to it, like what more do we need to be made aware of, of self-control so that we can cultivate this thing in our lives and in, our, in the lives around us? Here's a thought. Let's redefine self-control and let's look at it through this lens for this moment. Self-control is the discipline of stopping long enough 
to see God at work in our lives and the world around us, right? It's pausing to view the bigger picture. It's a bit deeper than not simply, than simply just not doing what your flesh or your mind desires. I'll say it again, self-control is the discipline of stopping long enough to see God at work in our life and the lives around us. It's pausing to view the bigger picture. There's a few points that I want to, I want you to just take home with you. You're already at home. I want you to just meditate on as you're at home. And the first one is this. It's an old uh, story in the Bible. We've heard this. We've taught it in kids ministry and youth ministry for different purposes, but I want us to look at it differently. And it's a story of David and Bathsheba. See, David sees a married man. He sees a woman that's minding her own business. We'll leave it at that. We'll keep it PG. And he says, I want her on my time now. I don't care what it costs. I want her. And so he makes arrangements to have her. And during that situation, it actually causes him to then set up different plots and schemes to hide what he had done. We know the rest of that story. It ends terribly. And the point that I pulled from that story is to explain to you this thing here, is that failure to understand the fruit of self-control can also, will cause you to lose all control. Failure to, failure to understand the fruit of self-control can cause you to lose all control. David was a man in scripture that clearly did a lot of great things, right? We don't want to just beat on David for that one thing he did, everyone knows about. He did a lot of great things. In this situation, I think he understood self-control. I think he chose to do something differently. I think when we choose to do something different and we fail to stay within the perimeters of self-control, we can lose all control, right? Trying to fix what we had done, trying to go and reverse time and, and then make a plot and a scheme to do this and to do that ends up blowing up in our faces. So failure to, failure to understand truly the fruit of self-control can cause us to lose all control unnecessarily. I'm brought to another portion of scripture, Nehemiah. I don't know if you've studied Nehemiah before, but there's time in scripture where it says Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem to rebuild its walls after the Exodus. I think we all remember that story. While he and others, while he and others were building the wall, armies from nearby started to attack them. Nehemiah showed self-control, right? He didn't fight back. I think you remember this. Instead, it says that he stationed some men to be guards while others worked. This was super important. Nehemiah knew that God would protect them. So he acted calmly and with self-control. I'm abbreviating a really rich story, by the way, that's worth going back and reading. But Nehemiah acts calmly, right? And he doesn't react the way he wants to react because Nehemiah paused and said, here is the bigger picture. Here's what we have to do. We have a job to get done. It's bigger than me wanting to just act out of losing control and wanting to act vengeance, just react vengeance on those that have hurt me or those around me. There's a bigger picture here. So the ability, and there's the point here, the ability to zoom out and see the bigger picture and its effects will help us to be more effective Christ followers and world changers. The ability to zoom out and see the bigger picture and its effects will help us to be more effective Christ followers and world changers. This is essential. I use that word world changer because I use it often in kids ministry. And I think it's a bigger picture because we, we always, I think we often talk about um, changing the life around us, right? Changing our community and our families. And that's, that needs time and that, that deserves attention. But I think it's also important to pause and go, what am I doing today? How am I using what God is cultivating inside of me 
to change the bigger perspective, to change the world. I know often we look at goals and how you set goals for the year and we go, okay, well, you got to start small, have small goals that you can build upon. But there is nothing wrong with having a large goal that causes you and that propels you just to look, compels you to look at the bigger picture to zoom out and pause and go, this isn't simply about not fulfilling a selfish flesh desire, but this is me in communion with God and the Holy Spirit going, what are you cultivating? How can I be a part of that? And what do I need to see? How do I see things how you see them, God? The ability to zoom out and see the bigger picture and its effects will help us to be more effective Christ followers and world changers. The scripture I read to us this morning was Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11. Um, clearly, we've heard this. I know we hear this around a certain time of year, we, maybe twice a year, uh, closer to Easter, but it's Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, right? He's after his 40 day, 40 night fast, he's tempted. And this is interesting to me that as he's tempted and as he's, he's, he's being brought, you know, questions of desires and flesh desires and things that, that I'm sure his body was seeking to be fulfilled and fed. He, he paused and he didn't just say, <laughs> I would have said, Hey, I'm good. No, thanks. I can wait another day. I can wait another few days until I eat. It's good. Thanks, bro. <laughs> right. He didn't respond simply to his flesh desires in terms of turning Satan down. He actually responded with bigger picture scripture, right? In his mind, he wasn't just thinking about his flesh being fed or being a king on the world. He was actually responding with scripture that was already spoken, yet he was then reciting them back to Satan to say, hey, this is bigger than me. This is bigger than this moment. This is bigger than what's happening in this tempting moment. His restraint wasn't just to deny his selfish desires, but it was to point Satan and show the world this is bigger. It's a bigger moment. The point is this, that cultivating self-control in our lives requires us to think deeply about the world around us. We understand the mission that Christ was on. We understand that Jesus came down as man and God at the same time. We understand what he was filled with. We understood what he could do. If you're really looking for self-control and restraint, yeah, try getting spit on as you're walking, literally being beat and abused. I get that. That is tough. But to have the spirit that lives inside of us tell us that although physically, although we desire these things, although we want and we have needs for these things that, that maybe aren't great in some ways, maybe some of them are good, but for God, to, for us to just pause and go, you know what? I'm not only going to say no to those things, but I'm going to take a moment and pause and look at the world around me and look at the bigger picture, right? We don't want to just be do-gooders. Don't do that. Don't do this. I have a couple of toddlers. You might have kids. You might know of kids. You might be grandparents or maybe you've done daycare before. Um, it doesn't help to tell kids, don't do this. Don't do that. You say that often, they begin to, <laughs> begin to be white noise, right? You want to redirect in some ways. And I think what I would tell my three-year-old if he'd understand it would be, hey, don't touch the stove. <laughs> You're going to burn your fingers, which is going to hurt. You won't be able to play with your toys. Bigger picture. He can't understand it at that age, right? But you get where I'm going with this. It's a little bit bigger than that. I want us to truly, the journey that we're on is we're cultivating these fruits of spirit is to look at the bigger picture and the world around us and go, it's 
bigger than us. It's bigger than my selfish, my flesh desires. It's bigger. It's bigger than saying no to that, that thing that I don't need that I want to buy on Amazon. I'm preaching to myself sometimes because Amazon is really enticing. It's bigger than, than what I feel like I want and that I can benefit from. Restraint and self-control cause us, they have to cause us to look at the bigger picture and go, where can my money best be spent? Right? It's bigger than waking up and going, I don't have time to spend, I don't have the time to really have devotion with God or have time to talk to God today, but I have time to get in that line and get some coffee. I can wake up early for that. Right? I'm not calling anyone out. But these are moments that we can think of that we can think of alone, right, in our quiet time with God or time after this and just go, where, where do I need to pause and look at the bigger picture so that self-control, the fruit of the spirit is cultivated inside of me? And am I doing that work with the spirit of God? If you do it on your own strength, we know the end of that story. So I want to challenge you today, friends, to cultivate self-control in your life so that you're compelled to think deeply about the world around you. Yes, about your family. Yes, about your community. But by large, the world around you and the vision that God has placed in your heart for the world around you. I'm going to pray for us and then I'm going to invite Andrew to come back up or come back on. He's not going to walk anywhere. God, thank you so much for this morning and this uh, moments that we could just um, absorb how to cultivate self-control in our lives, in our hearts, in our spirits, in our bodies. God, we understand it's bigger than just denying a fleshly desire. It's bigger than saying no to something or a don't do list. But God, I believe with this through the spirit and tandem with that, you're calling us to pause and not forget a moment to look at the world around us, the bigger picture. So God, as we cultivate this, as it's cultivated, as you do that work in our hearts and our minds, God, I pray that we would be an example for you. And God, I pray that this would be something that we're known for as a body, as a community. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.